Now, usually when Jesus tells a parable, there's a question that's asked of him, whether it's a sort of a false question or a leading question, or there's some sort of um, provocation. And here, well, I love this parable because it is uh, so obvious. Uh, this young man is not trying to hide what he wants. There's no uh, smoke screen. He simply comes up to Jesus and says, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Validate my position, Jesus. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a, so transparent and so sort of such a naked uh, request that you kind of can't help but respect it. Of course, um, it's a thing of the past because no siblings argue over inheritance anymore from what I can tell. I'm just kidding. The most acclaimed television show on the air right now, if you haven't seen it, don't see it, but it's called Secession, and the whole thing is about kids arguing over who gets what piece of the pie. Jesus responds to this request not by saying, well, what's fair is fair, divide it, give this person what they want, that person what they know. No, he says the following. He says, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Be on your guard against greed. What is greed? What a loaded term that is. Well, the dictionary defines it simply as wanting to possess more than you need. Wanting to possess more than you need. Now, I don't like talking about greed because I am a greedy person. And uh, I think you are too. If you live in our culture, uh, it's simply the air we breathe. Uh, but what do I mean by that? Because that's a loaded, that's a very insulting thing to call someone greedy. We never use it uh, sort of just right on the surface. Well, money is a live wire. We know this to be true. It occupies so much mental space, and greed, which is usually another uh, sort of born out of fear, uh, it's because money inspires fear, so much self-justification. And I think that's why Jesus probably talked about it so much. And you do not have to have a lot of resources, a lot of money, a lot of possessions to feel the pull of greed, to find yourself in its hypnotic sway. This is, I think, why Jesus says to be on your guard against greed. It's something invisible. It's something that sort of sneaks up on a person. It hides itself. And again, I don't want to place myself outside this. A real low point for me during the early pandemic was when I was, I'd been indulging in nostalgia. I was trying to sort of retreat to the past and surround myself with possessions that reminded me of a, sort of a happier, more secure time in my life. And particularly, I'd been buying unopened packs of trading cards on eBay. And uh, so I, I had all these around me and I was so excited to just sort of display them or simply just to have them there to make myself feel better. And a low point came the day that I snapped at my eight-year-old for opening a pack of WrestleMania III trading cards that was originally marketed not at 43-year-old men, but at eight-year-old boys. I thought maybe my relationship with possessions is a little askew. But think about yourself. Do you know someone that you, um, you learned that you should never borrow something from that person? There's, we all know these people. Maybe you are one of those people. Well, don't borrow. If you need to borrow a, a, a lawnmower, borrow it from, from that, that guy and not, not her. If you need to, to borrow a car, the last person you want to ask is so-and-so. 
Well, you know, that's true. Like, if people who are that attached to their possessions and their WrestleMania 3 trading cards, you know, it's not the best part of them that comes out in those moments. In fact, they tend not to be super happy. Perhaps that's one of the reasons why Jesus is cautioning against sort of the abundance of possessions. But let's get back to that word greed, because almost everyone agrees that greed is a major problem in society, but no one ever thinks it applies to them. It's always another person's problem. The Economist, I think in 2014, asked their readers, what is the deadliest of the seven deadly sins? Greed ranked number one. It's the deadliest of the seven deadly sins. Yet when the BBC conducted a a contemporaneous poll on the seven deadly sins, asking readers which they had committed most recently and most frequently, The Brits copped to being lazy, to being proud, to being envious, to being angry and lustful. But greed? That was seven out of seven. Seventh on the list. So everyone thinks other people are greedy, but not them. Perhaps this is because we can define it sort of globally, but not personally. How much is too much? How much is too much stuff? We can't agree on a number. Too much is just simply more than I currently possess. Uh, I think that the other polls have told us that uh, it's difficult to want more than you need when everyone feels they need about 10% more to feel comfortable. And that applies whether you earn $25,000 a year or whether you earn $250,000 a year. Everyone thinks that what they need is just a little bit more. A friend of mine used to say, money won't solve all your problems, but it'll solve all your money problems. (laughs) That's not true. (laughs) It's just not true. It may solve a couple of them and it'll create other ones. Just watch Secession, don't watch it. (laughs) But looking at from this point of view of the past, for example, go back two generations. And if you were a person growing up two generations ago, you would look at today and say, abundance, oh my goodness. Everyone has, the the, the size, the average size of an American home has grown by 175% over the past 60 years, while the average American family size has shrunk by 25% percent. So looked at from that perspective, everyone here is a person who has abundance. Now to illustrate what Jesus means by greed, he tells the story of the rich fool who doesn't sound very foolish. This is a man whose crops produce more than they should, and so he decides to save his money, to stockpile his grain so that he can retire. It sounds about as prudent as they come. So why is he a fool? Why is he a cautionary tale? He is simply because this man seeks security without reference to God. And seeking security in anything without reference to God is a foolhardy act. It simply demonstrably doesn't work. You know people who've had financial reversals, and it didn't take Bitcoin to do it. You know, I was counseling someone for a pre-marriage thing last week, and she, she's terribly afraid about money, not only because COVID happened and she lost her ability as a hairdresser to earn money, but because she grew up in a mansion and her father lost everything when she was 15 years old. And so she knows that money actually feels like a route to security, but it's not, it doesn't always deliver. Um, but also, this man, if you read the parable, what is the word that occurs over and over again? It's my, my. My, my, my grains, my goods, my crops. There's a sort of a a self-absorption 
that, that goes along with greed, that goes along, that's born out of fear, that has a way of turning a person inward and not allowing them to see other people. So money, although it promises security, does not deliver it. It certainly doesn't deliver happiness. And I hate preaching about this, by the way. I want to keep all of my... I want not only WrestleMania 3 cards, I want WrestleMania 1 and 2 cards, and I don't want anyone to touch them. What is that for you? Now, you may not consider yourself an avaricious person, but you might be a little bit like that farmer. God may not figure that much into your thinking about possessions, about money, and about the future. Because if God did, well, the parable seems to imply that you wouldn't actually be that worried. And basically, everyone I know is worried about money, about the future. They want more than they currently have. They would tell you they need more than they currently have, just 10% more. We believe instinctively that if we had enough, we would be enough. And yet that never proves to be true. And so, the message of Jesus' parable is simply to stop. Stop worrying about money. Stop it. Stop worrying about money. Stop wanting more than you have. Do you want more than you have? Stop. See you later. Have a great Sunday. Has that ever worked? It's never worked, and yet it's true. You see, we believe, I think instinctually, that God will leave us to our false religion. What do I do, Jesus, if I read this parable? And you know what? I do want security. I do want to store up my grain. I'm too afraid of another disaster coming. I don't want to be left in the lurch. If that is the standard of faithfulness, well then count me out. Well, we heard another reading this morning, and it was from Hosea. And it was a story of God dealing with people caught up in the exact same problems they're caught up with today, and they're caught up with 3,000 years ago. And this is what God says to those people. He says, the more I called to them, the more they went from me. They kept sacrificing to the balls and offering incense to idols. And yet, I was to them like those who lift up infants to their cheeks. I bent down to them and fed them. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my fierce anger, for I am God and no mortal. The Holy One is in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. In other words, God did not deal with Israel according to their unfaithfulness and their fear and their greed and avarice, but he met them with warmth, the same warmth with which you would meet a baby. He, likewise, he does not deal with you according to your fear, according to your overattachment to possessions, according to your always wanting more than you have. You're clutching for my, 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 but God meets you with tenderness. And if there's any moral to this story, it's that the only way any of us come to see money, possessions, as something not to be scared of, but as a tool with which to express love and freedom, is by knowing that there is a God in heaven who has made it his business to provide. The same security that we're all chasing after is that which he bestows freely to you, but at a cost to himself.
This, my friends, is the freedom we attain when we come to appreciate the one who gave away everything for us, the God who is rich toward those who are not rich toward him, the God who doesn't hold anything back when it comes to you, no, not even his son. Instead, he gives himself. He gives himself to those who are not enough. He grants true security that cannot be eaten away. World without end. Amen. Congregation may stay seated while we continue with our baptism.